Hello everyone and welcome to episode 45, 45, what am I on about? Almost double that number, 85 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. I am joined today by a fellow Aussie who, you're in Sydney, Angela, that's right, isn't it? I am, yes. Yep, so it, in, in terms of Australia, that's just a, a few hours away, it's really just down the road. And uh, again, it's nice to have someone on in my own time zone and not have to count multiple hours back into the past to arrange the episode. Me and Angela met because we're in the same circles. We both did the Les Brown Power Voice Summit, a program where you're taught by the greatest motivational speaker in the world, Les Brown, how to find your voice, find your message, and then be able to share that to help others. And then me and Angela are also in uh, under the consultation and direction of John Tallarico into Bob Proctor's amazing mindset uh, program called Thinking Into Results. And that's how we came to meet, isn't it, Angela? And um, how long have you been into both of those kind of separate programs now? Ooh, um, your power voice I, with Les Brown, I believe I started ooh, uh, November. November. Yeah. Yes. November and uh, John Tellerico I started with him I think December hmm. yeah and what, and, and what kind of made you want to realize that you wanted to speak and, and and in this answer I know you're going to give a bit of bit of your background about you know how you came to that point but what made you realize that hey look I've got a voice I've got a message I want to find what that is and use it to help other people I love this job, this question. Um, so for me, I was about 19, so when I decided I wanted to be a public speaker, so that was 26 years ago. And I, yeah, and I've held, and that was before speakers were like really known and it was really a thing. I just, it, it just dropped in my soul that I had a pretty cool story and there was a reason behind what I went through. And I just thought that can't that can't be it. There has to be so much more. I want to be a speaker. I want to tell my story. I want to impact the world. And so for me, since I was 19, I've held this dream. I've chased this dream and this vision. In 2014, I discovered Les Brown. And since then, I've listened to him pretty much every single day. And 2014 was possibly one of my worst years, 2014, 2015 in my life. So he really helped me get through that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the first time I heard him and I, and I worked out who he was, I just knew that one day I was going to work with this guy. And, I mean, it, it was a dream and a vision that I had and I didn't know if it had ever come to fruition but it was just so clear in my spirit that I was going to work with this guy and then I found his speaker's course and I'm like, how perfect is this? The one guy that I've really loved all these years and wanted to, dreamt of um, speaking with, he's doing a speaker's course. Like how perfect. doesn't get more better than that. So I signed up. Yeah. And then there you go, the rest is history. And, and uh, still doing the lessons each week today? I know you were still, dialing in today, weren't you? Yeah. I did, yes, still doing the lessons. I mean, I'm, sorry, go ahead. I, I kind of build my um, my calendar and my appointments around yeah. those lessons. They're so valuable and so important for me. I wouldn't miss it. If, yeah, I, I, if I, I'm not on an aeroplane or something, I'm on the 
on the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I, I graduated from there. Just think, probably kind of end of the year, but I still when I need a bit of inspiration or just think, do you know what? I'm in no way am I a professional speaker. Yeah, still got a long way to go. Still honing the craft. Still testing messages. Still kind of finding out new messages and new things to speak about inside of that, which is a lot of fun actually because. You know, speakers speak, it's as simple as that. And how do you practice or get better at anything by actually just doing it? Um, so I kind of graduated at the end of December, but I always drop in now for a bit of inspiration on the weekly calls and um, just to see, you know, what late, what Les's latest hairdo is looking like as well, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was gutted when he got rid of the high top. I was like, no, how has he got rid of the high top? You know, like a 75-year-old dude rocking like a full 80s, uh, flat top was I thought it was fantastic mate uh, not many not many people can pull that off <laughs> no I know not many people can you need to have a little bit of something about you and that man certainly has yeah, <laughs> yeah he does it's for sure and then yeah, um, there is so much greatness I mean that's his line there is greatness within you and I, I realize that but there is just so much greatness in the people that are involved in that group and so much potential and so much knowledge and wisdom and, um, you know, hearing people's stories and then also and what they've been through and, and where they're at now is really cool. But also hearing how Les Brown just transformed their story in a way that would just blow your mind and knock your socks off and rip your heart out. And it, it's just brilliant. In a way that's digestible and deliverable, right, because... Some people's stories, you know, I heard something yesterday, our, our mess forms our message, you know, our mess turns into our message. I've actually got it written down and sticking out in front of me. But it's, and it's true, you know, our mess can form our message, but you don't want to, and with a talk when you're speaking, lose people in the detail of the shock value of what you're delivering because that's exactly where they'll sit and then they won't really focus on and it will be able to listen to any of the rest of the stuff you're trying to deliver because... The message just gets lost in, in, in the mess of it. So um, that's something we have to kind of um, um, dissect, I suppose. And yeah, it was like the format is you deliver your what you think is your story and your message to him. And sometimes he'll let you say it, or sometimes he'll cut, cut across you halfway through and go, no, no, but this is how you want to deliver it. This is the better way to deliver it. And, and I know that your, your speech, your kind of first one you put together, mine was called Hunger for the Hustle, funnily enough, and now 85 hours later, here's the podcast but, and the book and all sorts of stuff's happening. But yeah, I know yours is called, you know, Life's Worth Living, essentially, at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, so, your, your life is worth living. Yeah, sorry, your life is worth living. So, like, tell us a little bit more about that. What's that kind of about and how, how you came to form it? You know, like when... And, and, and I kind of one question leads to another here, but you know, when you were 19 and you and you decided you wanted to start speaking, was that the kind of, did you already have the kind of workings of it then or did it take that 26 years to form it? <laughs> it took 26 years. It took Les well, Brown. I don't know if you saw my speech that day when I was one-on-one -on -one with Les. I don't know if you saw that. I, you know, I don't think I did. He's got this saying, like when he did his first message when he stood up for the first time he said i stood up and my mind sat down and the exact same thing happened to me i was shaking i was trembling i could barely breathe i literally had to read off my notes because i just my mind was blank and so i'm sitting there with my face in my phone like this with les brown looking at me no, I, I, do you know what? I was there i do remember it i do remember it because i remember yeah. thinking 
there's a lot of Australian accent and there's not too, you know, the large majority of people in that program are, are Americans. So, yeah, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, you might you get up when your mind your mind sits down, right? Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. So I forget what your question was. Sorry. Sorry, my question was, you know, when you you decided you wanted to start speaking, but it took you twenty six years to form the message of of what what it was, how to deliver it, and how to kind of make it impactful in a way to help other people. Yeah, you know, I knew that, like I said to you when I was 19, I knew that I had something to talk about. I knew that I had a message and I just couldn't quite figure it out. And legitimately until Les um, heard my story and transformed it and I just went, oh, my gosh, that's what it is because there was so much, I mean, you know the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. There was just so much that I had been through and I just, I couldn't quite nail what my message was and him just saying, you know, you are lucky, like the fact that you're alive, it's just by the grace of God and your life is worth living. And I'm like, that's exactly what my message is because there were so many things and my life was such a mess and there were so many things that I've been through and there were times where I just thought I just do not want to live and I know that that's a relatable topic because particularly at a time like this with COVID where people are losing loved ones and businesses and homes, like it's, there's so much going on. But the fact that... You know, you've, you're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason and whatever that is, everyone is unique and we get to bring something special and unique to this world. But mine was just so messy and I just thought I, I just can't live, like I just can't go on. I just feel like my kids are better off without me and no one will really notice if I'm not around anymore. And it's just not true. Like, I... Thank God I survived every attempt of suicide and the domestic violence. Um, thank God I'm still here. Recently I celebrated my twin's 18th birthday. And I put and I'm not really big on putting up personal stories, but this one particular day I was just sitting there. They're my babies, the twins. And I was just sitting there watching the twins and my other my other children celebrating them and I just thought thank God that I didn't succeed in those attempts in those suicide attempts because I my my boys my children would be missing out on this on me I would be missing out on celebrating with them mm. um and I'm just I'm so grateful and of course you know as well as that that would have been a, a big thing it would have uh, had a big, huge, probably negative impact on all your children's lives, but you wouldn't have been able to, you know, form your message, get trained by the great one, Les Brown, and then project that message out and help other people, you know. Um, it takes it takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of, um, you have to push past a lot of stuff. And I think it takes a little bit of craziness, you know. They say people who are, the, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the people that actually do. And, you know, when you see someone like Les Brown, in, in his art form, in his magic, you're like, yeah, this guy's a little bit crazy. Yeah, I think everyone everyone who's prepared to put themselves out there um, at um, any kind of public level at scale, you have to have a little bit of something crazy about you, a little bit of quirkiness about you just to be able to, 
deal with the no's and the rejections and the bounce backs and and the criticisms and the feedbacks and just let it all bounce off you and actually let it empower you and rise up through it to become better and hone your craft and, and, and just polish your polish your art for. It's so true. Actually, I was on the phone to one of the guys, uh, Cordell Jeffers, in our group yeah. this morning. 4.30 a.m. we had a chat because, that you know, he's in London and I'm here, so it was 4.30 a.m. call. It was so worth it. But he was saying... Um, just about rejection and how every time there's a rejection, he gets excited because he knows he's getting closer to the next yes. Mm. And when when they're digging for gold, they don't just hit it hit gold once or diamonds, whatever it was that he said. They don't just hit it once. They don't just find gold or find diamonds once. They keep going and keep going, and it's just all about building that resilience and, you know, we all have trials in life and just and they sometimes they're really tough but just pushing through them it creates it creates courage it creates strength it creates resilience so the next time when you've got to stand up and either stand up for yourself or stand up for someone else or make a decision it's like you can look back and you've got you've got something to compare it to it's like I did this last time and I survived or I managed to make it through or whatever, I can do this again. Yeah. I know I can do this. Yeah. If, without, you, if you got through once, you can sure enough get through it twice. Without trials and tribulations, we don't build that resilience. And so, you know, yeah. Mm. You're getting a lot of love on the side here, Angela. I'm going to get some of these comments. Yeah, you are, yeah. Uh, Linda Patton says, congratulations, oh. Andrew. Proud of you. Mary J says, you were, you, you were still, you are still in practical, I guess, I guess you missed. She says, there is greatness within you. And yeah, I mean, lots, lots of love from those ladies. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate mm -hmm. you listening and interacting with the show. These are girls in my accountability group. So these women oh, I yeah. met. These women I met through TIR, Thinking Into Results with John Tellerico, and they're, I think it's like 11.30 at night over there, and they're up hanging out, waiting and watching us. No, oh, thanks a lot, girls. Appreciate it. It's, it's, good. It's, good it's good when people interact as well, you know, because uh, then you know they're, they're, really, they're really there. So, yeah, getting, the, yeah. getting the, the late night show in from America. <laughs> Angie, there's a lot. Of, there's, a, there's a lot of things you do. You know, speaking is a relatively new thing that you really do. I know you're working on um, a book. I know you're an entrepreneur. You know, coach, fashion stylist. Um, there's so many things there. You know, that I'm, I'm trying to think which one we should pick out and explore first. I would actually love to hear more about fashion styling because, I mean. I've actually recently adopted fashion and changed it and actually get some because I was quite aware that I didn't have any. Um, and I'm doing okay with it. I'm doing all right. But tell me about the world of a fashion stylist and what that involves. It sounds very glamorous. Well, for me, do you know what? There's one thing that I love about styling women and um, it's, it's when they see, like they come in, and they're not overly confident in themselves. Not, not necessarily. Some of them are confident. Others aren't so much. But seeing the finished product and just them just looking at themselves and going, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know how to put that together. I didn't know that that style works on me. I didn't know that I had an hourglass figure. 
I didn't know how to make an hourglass figure. It's just beautiful seeing a woman transform. And this is one of the things that I have loved. I will just jump a little bit sideways. This is one of the things I love about coaching, the transformational coaching, because I get to work on the inside. I get to deal with past traumas who, that are still presenting themselves and just nailing them, like anxiety, depression, and transforming everything in their lives and from the inside. And then I get to finish off with the outside. And it's just the perfect package because... You can transform the outside as much as you want, but you still have that inner self-doubt, lack of self-confidence for, for a lot of women or a lot of people. So to be able to work on both, it's so rewarding and it's just a beautiful pro process that I get to be a part of. Yeah, yeah nice, nice. It's funny how the two actually connect, isn't it? Because, um, yeah, you kind of don't really think about that, but... You know, the way you look and the way you think about yourself and how you feel and to some degree your attitude and, you know, your, your self-worth, a lot of those things tie in and when they all tie in and they're well-balanced and together can often mean, you know, a good, healthy, well-balanced person, which once you feel like that and then you put that out and then you surround yourself with people that feel like that or even if they don't, you know, you can't, it's like, a, I think I've heard Les say it before, you know, when you're when you're full of positivity and it's oozing out of you, you can't help but sprinkle a little of that dust on the people around you, and uh, you know, it sure does rub off a little bit here and there. Contagious. <laughs> and author in the making. I mean, I'm not sure how much you can tell us about about author in the making, but um, I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can't. Well, my book will be launched in July. Wonderful. I know. That's about all I can. Pardon. Does it have a title? Not yet. Okay. Not and yet. Is it along the lines of your story? Yeah. All yes. right. I, I can tell you being quite tight-lipped about it. So when it when it's ready and it's launched, we'll get you back on and we'll, we can definitely explore that some more. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. So how long have you been into the Thinking Into Results course and and what have you? what's kind of the key things you've learned from that so far? My gosh. Okay. So um, I started around December and the, the one, I'm on lesson three at the moment. So you know how we do each lesson for two weeks, yeah. lesson three. The paradigm shifting is huge. For me, being seen and being heard was such a stumbling block for me, such a challenge, even though for 26 years, like this doesn't even make sense, 26 years all I wanted to do was be a speaker, a public speaker, like have myself out there, yet it was the biggest fear that I had was being heard and being seen. Mm -hmm. So it was just lately in the last two weeks I've just gotten to the point where it, where it's like I'm so done playing small, I'm so done hiding, I'm so done with my fear of what people think of me dictating my future. So when we had that call a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure if you were on it, the, the Thinking Into Results call, and we went into breakout rooms and we got to list down everything that we needed and how we could help each other. That was like the best call I've ever had. So for me, from there, I've this is my second podcast and I have another four or five lined up 
ready to go. And I'm starting my own podcast as well. So that'll be launched by the end of February. Hold on. Yeah. So I just, I knew, I think this is my fear, was my fear actually, the fear of success it was not only being seen and being heard, but the fear of success because I know that what's next is coming and it's coming really quickly. Mm. And it's amazing how many people are at, actually have that fear of success. I mean, they're like, oh, I'm fear of failure, but that, and that's real as well. But I think the fear of failure, uh, sorry, the fear of success is actually really huge for yeah. people as well. What if it all works out? What if I can't handle it? What if I'm not ready for that? financial uh, reward or you know that responsibility particularly if it's in a role where you have people depending on you in, in that be a company form or a family form you know um what if it works out what if it doesn't work out it's yeah it's it's definitely that they're, they're two very strong emotions that uh, are on either side of the same coin i think and there's a fine line between them but it's interesting that you know the the fear about speaking it i mean it took you 26 years to get there what was what was holding you back all that time um, I'd call it ego. Okay. <laughs> Let's just be real. Yeah. I would say ego. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done a few speaking courses and I joined Toastmasters and I was just too shy and too quiet. You know, a lot of the time in my life I've been told to just be seen and, and not heard. And so for me, <sighs> discovering my voice and discovering that I have something to say and discovering that what I have to say is worth listening to was actually a really big challenge for me to overcome. And I did, I'm a TRTP practitioner and I've done a lot of, I've done, the, I've done my training and I've also done a couple of, I had the treatment myself first. And just learning to know that I can take up as much space as I choose and I can and I have something to say and that it's worth listening to, that was huge. That was like that was just such a subconscious lie that I had to really annihilate and work through. So now it's like try and shut me up. <laughs> Good luck with that. You mentioned something there, um, TRTP. Yes. What's that? The Richards Trauma Process. So it deals with um, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, mental blank, anxiety and depression. And it, I mean, I've had, I've, I had depression for about 20 years and was medicated for around 15 of those. Mm -hmm. And so I've tried so many different forms of treatment and this is the most powerful, the most effective, long-lasting wow transformative um, therapy that I've ever used, that I've ever experienced, and I just swear by it. That's a long time to be depressed for, 20 years. It started, it is a really long time, and it started when I was, so I had my first son when I was 17, and okay. so that's like, he's 27 next month, so that's a long time ago. And... Um, Postnatal depression wasn't really talked about back then. wasn't really right. known about, so and I didn't know. What, about it. That's what kicked you off for you, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that started that, and going untreated, it just developed into full-blown depression. It wasn't yeah. bipolar, but it was um, pretty severe. Mm. 
And then what really pulled you out of that? Would you say the TRTP, that, that um, I'm not sure what you would call it. It's not really training, is it? I guess it's a, a form of therapy, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Form of therapy. That's kind of what pulled you out of it? Yeah. Look, this won't go down with a lot of people, but it won't go down well with a lot of people, but I believe that depression is a symptom and it's suppressed frustration, suppressed anger, suppressed creativity. It's a lot of suppression. It's not living your life in freedom. And my life was just so all over the shop. Um, it just contained so much negativity and suppression that I just had no idea who I was. I just completely lost myself. Mm -hmm. And so I started the life coaching course because I thought I really need help and if I can learn how to do this process and treat myself along this journey, this will just be a bonus because at the end I'll have a qualification and I've got plenty of life experience, no uni degree, but so much life experience and I'll have a certification in health and life coaching so I can do this. This would be brilliant. So I did that. And I absolutely love it and I think it's fantastic and it works in a lot of different areas of your life. But then I just felt like I needed that bit more and one of the guys in my course was doing this TRTP and he needed a, a practice student. So I said, oh, my gosh, pick me, pick me. I'll try everything. And it just annihilated anything that was left. You know, there was no rock unturned. It was brilliant. And, and it was so I, Did it take a, a while? It's it three to... seconds. It's three, sometimes four sessions. For me, it was just three. And uh, first session, I was, it was great. And it helped me change a few things and understand a few things. Second session was just brilliant. And your third session just sets up your future. So it's every session is so exciting. So magical, magical threat. Yeah, it really is. And I just thought, I need to do this. I need this in my life. Everyone needs this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, if you get some value from something, particularly, you know, as I just said there, 20 years is a long time to be depressed. So I'd imagine you tried a lot of different things along the way there to, you know, get yourself out of that state of mind. But, you know, Bob, Bob Proctor defines, who we're both a student of as well, Bob Proctor defines depression as anger turned inwards. And I think it's interesting that it relates to what you said there about really you'd lost your way in life. You know, you'd lost your identity, a sense of who you were, a sense of what you stood for you know, your why, your how, why you were here. And I guess that would make you quite quite angry at yourself, really, in a funny sort of way. And 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 then I think that's interesting how, how Bob Proctor says, you know, anger is depression turned inwards. Because I know when I first heard of that, and, you know, there's been points in my life where I've been depressed. Um, I once have suffered from depression for extended periods of time, but there's certainly been times when I'm at. And I think, yeah, anger turned inwards, that aligns with me well. Why? Because just like you said, you're suppressing stuff, right? You're... Oh, that doesn't affect me. It bounces off me. It doesn't really bother me. You know, particularly men do this a lot. Um, and you know, that actually these things just keep chipping away at you and grinding away at you. And eventually, you start to become angry with yourself because you're not taking care of these things or dealing with them. You either take that anger out on people around you, or you just let it eat away inside of you, and then it leads to depression. And you know, as as you probably know, Angie, probably more than I do, and perhaps some of the listeners know as well that you know, being depressed. 
for an extended period of time is you know quite a dangerous place to be. It is, and the the longer you're in it, well, for me, and I'm sure others can relate as well. The longer I was in it, the deeper, the deeper and darker the hole got, and I, it was just so hard to find the energy to try and get yourself out. It, it's just, I mean, there's that um, institute called the Black Dog. I think it's mainly for, I think it's for men. I'm not sure, and it is like that. It's just like a blackness, a darkness that just is all-consuming and smothering. And it's, I think it's evil. It's there's nothing. Oh, there's just nothing nice about it. There's nothing nice about it, but I think, and particularly I've noticed this even in the relatively short, really five years that I've lived here in Australia, that the conversation's been had a lot more, um, particularly in, that, in the last kind of 12, 15 months, the conversation's being had a hell of a lot more because there's more people suffering, you know, you're starting to see a lot more ads, a lot more posters up around, you know, saying, you know, if you're not feeling good, then it's okay to speak out, you know. It's absolutely fine, you know, like, like, like Les Brown says, you know, ask for help not because you're weak but because you want to remain strong. And I think that just by having the conversations, being authentic and open about times that you've struggled, particularly on public platforms like this, you know, someone hears that and someone thinks, hey, look, it's okay to actually feel like how I do today. And actually by sharing it with someone, it could be just someone that's random on the phone that you've never met in your life and you and you never will meet, you know, various helplines all around the world, or you could confine in a friend or family member who probably actually cares a lot more than you'd ever think, but probably actually knows a lot less than you would ever think as well, you know, because if, you don't, if you're not vocal and speak out about your, what you're going through, no one can read your mind, no one can get inside your brain. They might be able to see from some of your results and your behaviours that things aren't quite right, but really, unless, unless you speak out, you're never quite going to get the, the full help you need. And I think when you do speak out, you actually realise how easy it is um, to get that help. And that can just sometimes be a conversation that can just help you so much. It's so true. And as you said, particularly at a time like this in our lives, when there is just so much uncertainty for so many. It's not a sign of weakness if you're suffering from depression or, or suicidal thoughts. They're real. Um, and it's just so important to to speak up about it and to look for some help it's really really important because your life is worth living like we want you here you've got a story to tell you've got impact to leave you've got a legacy to leave you know impact to make i should say so it's it's important that you get help because you're not alone so no. many people so many people know there are a lot of people who don't understand it and don't and think it's all in your head and and that's understandable because they've never experienced it but the fact of the matter is it's very real very mm. real. it is very real i think something you said there you know there's a lot of uncertainty around at the moment but one thing you can always remain certain of is yourself you know if you adopt the right mindset to do that and and not let the adverse circumstances and environment that we're a lot of us are presented with at the moment i mean let's be honest and open here angie it's not so bad in australia you know we played this whole thing quite well we're much less densely populated than a lot of countries, a lot less people as a whole of, of the actual of the actual landmass here, and even those people are spread out. Even when you look at how concentrated people are in the city, it's nothing compared to the likes of London and America, and I think that just predicates why the um, we have such less of a problem here and we manage to keep a lid on it um, a lot easier than other places have, along with things like, I mean, this country is very used to protecting its borders from 
um, foreign things and foreign, you know, diseases and, um, you know, pesticides and all that kind of funky stuff, bacteria, viruses, and it has done for pretty much ever since it existed because it learned the stuff that other countries did wrong at an earlier time. But um, getting a bit off topic here, my point is that the situation isn't so bad here, but I don't think that we should say that that doesn't affect people. It still does affect people. You know, I can tell from a personal point of view last year, everything was flowing nicely, you know, had a new relationship, I was in love, everything was blossoming, business was going fantastic, online business was going fantastic, so everyone's stuck at home, everyone's getting paid anyway, they're shopping online. And I was in this, you know, this bubble where I was like, this isn't really affecting me, this is great, but actually it was, it was affecting me in other ways that I, you know, didn't quite perceive, appreciate, or give myself the time to think about at the time. Like, I knew in the back of my mind all year I wouldn't be going home to see my family at the end of the year. I knew on the back of that this was actually going to be the longest period of time ever in my life that I would not see my family for and a lot of my close friends back in the UK. And, and you know, everyone's story plays out for them slightly differently. But I think it's my, my point is that it's okay to be affected by the pandemic, which is something that none of us have ever dealt with before and how can you be equipped equipped to deal with something that you've never experienced before you simply can't and and that's why we've had to all kind of fumble and 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 find our way through it but you know like like your message says you know your life is worth living and one thing you can be sure of what you adopt the right mindset is you yourself the things you're doing the things you're doing to help yourself grow and you know the projects you're working on and the people you're working with or surrounding yourself with yeah it's very true yeah we've rant. been very <laughs> what was that i said brand over <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can leave it at that yeah yeah well said you're still getting lots of love for your friends on the side. Um, I love the fact that they're joining. It must be after 12 now. It must be after midnight for America and you guys. Tell us actually where you're from, you guys in the States. I'd love to know whereabouts. How gorgeous are those girls? Thanks, girls. They're still very much here. Loving our message. Um, there you go. Get help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. I'll tell you what, that, and that. And that makes me think about, and, and you're, like, I hope you're okay to answer this and you don't have to if you don't want to. In those years of 20 years of, of depression, I know I keep going back to it, but I think it's relevant at this time and that's why I keep going back to it. Did you see a therapist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's yeah. no way I could have gotten through all this yeah, time on my own. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing a therapist for, I'm trying to think now, probably two or three years now. And, uh, you know, I'll go a couple of months without seeing it, maybe a couple of weeks, and then sometimes it'll be every week for, for several months. And I, the way I like to dress it up, and I think this is a, is a digestible way for men to look at it as well, it's like the brain for your gym. The gym for your brain, sorry, is what I mean. It's the gym for your brain, the brain for your gym. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it, it is. For me, it's the gym for my brain. It's a much more digestible way to look at it. And, uh, you know, there's this big stigma that's attached to going to see a psychotherapist, which is, oh, you go there when you're crazy. No, no, no. You go there so you stop. <laughs> you go there before that so you don't go crazy, right? That's the idea. Big crazy. stigma <laughs> attached to it, you know, and some people have a bit of a shame about it or a bit coy about it and obviously everyone has their own, their own reasons for wanting to do that and their, their own privacy but something I'm very vocal about very outward about and it's helped me leaps and bounds in my life to find balance and understand things and overcome things and, and adapt to a level that um, 
just makes life a lot more harmonious and tranquil on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think it's really, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jake, because I think it's really important. Uh, a lot of men don't understand their importance and, and their role in this world. And, I mean, that's a whole other topic on its own. But I think a man going to see a, a therapist in whatever area they need, I think, I, like, I really take my hat off to you because women are generally more inclined to go and talk and get some help, another opinion. A lot of the time, as you said, there's a stigma around it and so a lot of people, particularly men, won't go and and I don't believe that it's a gender thing I believe it's a human thing we need we all need help at times in our lives and there's nothing wrong with it nothing at all no I completely agree with you and uh all all about that and behind it and then you know being vocal and trying to make make that change you know um just yeah I think I think the main thing we can take from that is you know so it's like Les Brown says, sometimes you're done with things, but they're not done with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the highest, the highest statistics, statistics of suicide is men. Yeah. In fact, I think, and look, I don't know if I'm completely right here, but I'm pretty sure that suicide is the biggest killer of men in Australia, above anything. Wow. Pretty That's... sure. If it's, not, if it's not number one, it's pretty high up there, of young men. Um, I have to get facts on that, and I'll probably put, I'll probably make a post about that later. But yeah, I know, I know. Here, I certainly heard a, a, a statistic that said young men, um, it's either the top killer or very close to, and I just think that's crazy. Ugh, not crazy, crazy is the wrong word. I think it's shocking, and I think that uh, needs to change. Needs to change, definitely, definitely. And I think you know that. Um, the government now will, and, and those kind of social services will be forced to invest more into this so that, you know, um, this opens up more and more people are given access to the help they need readily and, and of course, are free, you know, which you should be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've got enough reason to not be able to go. No, no. <laughs> our, um, our ladies here listening in the US. Linda is in Texas, and Noel. I hope I'm saying that right. Noel, yeah, yeah. Um, no. is in New York City, but living in Bali now. Bali, that's mm -hmm. interesting. So yeah, Noel, of course, is the one who's behind organising the trip to Bali for us in right. July, which works well for us, doesn't it? Because I was like, are they going to do? I mean, Hawaii, or, or I know there's whispers of Hawaii as well. I've never been there, but Bali works pretty well. It's like um, it's 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 the backyard for Australians, isn't it? Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, I've only been there. Have you been there many times? I've been there three times. Three, three times. Bali. I love Bali. It's great that, surprises, that surprises me. Most Australians go every year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love Europe. I love Europe and America. I don't think I'll be going there for quite some time. <laughs> no. I need to try and get to America this year if I can for business, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. And I think, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? You can, you can do it, you can actually fly, but you've got to buy a business class ticket at least to be able to actually, to guarantee the flight won't get cancelled. And I don't think it's 100%. And you've got to do the quarantine thing either end, haven't you? So it adds an extra four weeks. Um, yeah. So, I mean, look, if you've got a book to write or something like that, it might work out all right. 
Angie, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, before we wrap up, one question I always ask my guests, and I have to ask you as well. Um, how would you define the word hustle, and what has driven your hunger for it over the years? Oh, hustle. 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 It's a, it's a puzzle, huh? <laughs> how I define the word hustle, and what was the last part of that question? What's driven your hunger for it over the years? Oh. How much time do I have? Um, how would I define the word hustle? Doing whatever it takes. Like I said, this morning I had a phone call at half past four, so I was up at four, and I haven't gotten up at 4 a.m. for years. But I was willing. I wanted I wanted that call, and so I was up at four. Um, I just think whatever it takes, I mean, for me, I don't ever want to go back to anywhere where I have been in my past. I don't ever want to repeat any of those patterns. So whatever it takes me for me to move forward and to achieve my goals and to achieve my dreams, I'll do it, even when it means getting up at 4 o'clock. Not that that's a really, that's not a big deal, but I just believe that you've got, you've got a purpose and until... For me, that purpose, it, it like, it almost not drives me crazy, but it won't let go of me. It's like John Tallarico says, whatever you're seeking is seeking you. So it won't let go of me. For 26 years, this has been nagging me and nagging me and nagging me and pushing me and pushing me. And I'm so glad that it didn't let go of me because it's such an exciting goal. It used to frighten the absolute crap out of me but now it, i'm so excited it's still frightening like it still takes it's it's an intentional effort to go you know what an intentional decision to say yeah i'm getting up at four today i'm staying up later i'm writing out my goals 10 times i'm whatever it is i'm putting myself out there getting my being seen and heard which is completely out of my comfort zone and let's be honest your comfort zone is not comfortable anyway so you may as well push out of it and get into something that is more comfortable and stretch and grow yourself. So whatever it takes for me is what it, is what I will do. Not that I would hurt people along the way. I would never do that. But whatever it takes for me to achieve my goals honestly and ethically and in a loving manner and in a way that will impact the world or anyone who needs it, even if it's one person, like I would do it. I'd absolutely do it. Love it. I love it. So doing anything you need to do to get things done in a kind way in spite of circumstance. Absolutely. Very, very, very timely and very, very timely of what's kind of going on across the world. Lately, you know, from the inside out, not the outside in. Absolutely. Angie, I'm going to put your links here for where people can find you in the comments and in the show notes so people can find them later. But do you just want to tell folks where is the best place to find you if they want to connect with you online? Yeah, now you're testing me. The dot I the, I think it's the dot transformation dot queen. That's my Instagram. That's probably the best place, actually. Uh -huh. The yeah. dot transformation dot queen. Is it? 
Yes, Wonderful. that's good. Angela, it's been great to have you on the show and spend some time with you. Um, great to have another Aussie on, actually. Woohoo! It's been and such an honour, Jane. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure, honestly. It's, it's an honour having you if you give your time and energy to me. And thank you to all the listeners. We've had quite a lot tonight, probably uh, the most we've had for a while, which is always good. And um, Carlos, thank you. Noel, Linda, and I know there's a Mary as well, and all the other guys in the background that are staying quiet, but that's cool, you do that. Whatever platform you're listening on, Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, Twitch, or YouTube, really appreciate you listening. Please give it a like. Please give it a subscribe. Please give it a share. If you found some value in this episode, no doubt you know someone else who might do the same. Mm -hmm. Stay hungry, guys, and keep hustling. Thanks, Angela. See you, everyone. Thanks.